In August 2022, I had the opportunity to attend the Godrich Celtic Roots Festival for the first time and uh, really enjoyed meeting many of the artists visiting, including Church the Ladies and um, Runa. And um, one of the uh, members of Runa, Fionnán de Barra, uh, I took the opportunity to have a chat with Fionnán. And Fionnán is from a very musical family. His brothers are well-known and uh, are performers in their own rights, and they include uh, Cormac de Barra, and there's Eamon de Barra who sings and plays Boron and Pipes, and Cormac plays the harp, and he also sings, and then Donald de Barra sings and he plays whistle, and Fionnán plays guitar as well as sings. And one of the fun things about the Godrich Celtic Root Festival this year was there was a father and son section, and uh, Fiona brought his little son on stage to perform with him, and he stole the hearts of the audience indeed. But I asked Fiona about his background and where the enthusiasm and the love, particularly for the Irish language, came from. Uh, they were very much involved in, in revitalising the Irish language and, and the culture back in the turn century and then for the first few decades um, uh, in Ireland. So it's a privilege to be part of that kind of lineage. But in our world, you know, we kind of grew up, we didn't really know much about that until we got, obviously got older. And, and so at home, uh, speaking in Irish, all the time with my mum and dad. My dad actually learned Irish when he married my mum. And, uh, you know, you learn it in school. And that, yeah, but yeah, like, yeah. He, he perfected it. He was a fantastic speaker. Until he passed away. She was born in Dublin, raised, but uh, her family are all from the Gaeltacht areas, the Irish language speaking areas, uh, down in the southwest of Ireland. So um, okay. in Corcovina, in Cork, yeah. and uh, in Kerry, some of the Gaeltacht area, there's her, her lineage is there. So when they moved up to Dublin, her parents, I guess, yeah. um, for university and things like that, and yeah. then uh, they stayed there. My mum was raised there in a family of Irish speakers, but they were very much in the Celtic world. So the Celtic languages and the Celtic cultures, they they um, they would always gravitate towards that household, the old Tuama household in Dublin, and uh, so a lot of when I first started travelling with music in Europe, I would come across all these slightly older people who would who would know me and my family. I had no idea who they were yeah. because they were they were transplanted into my family's home in my grandmother's home in in Dublin, and they so they spoke. She spoke thirteen languages. My yeah. grandmother she spoke all the Celtic languages. So when we were growing up, we were immersed in that sort of world. Not very deliberate, but it was it was lovely to to be surrounded by it. And we sort of learned we learned English as a as a means to communicate with a lot of other kids in Ireland because we in school in Ireland it's not it's it's part of the school system but it's not a it's not a understood that everybody will speak Irish so we spoke at home we learned uh, my, my mom's Irish and French teacher and and uh, my grandma spoke French a lot of people from France and Brittany would come over so we kind of we picked those up before we picked any English up so by the time we went to school we were the oddballs who I know, you, you must have felt like an oddball a little bit you know like people people like, the kids kids are kids you know and the then they, cruel. they are so we were ironically or funnily enough we were called the Irish family Okay. You know, but they didn't get what they were saying. They didn't understand the, the nonsense. You know, we were the Irish-speaking family, or yeah, yeah, yeah. but they would call, "Oh, you're the Irish family." You know, but you know, we loved that that, that uniqueness, um, and and we would very much embrace being being um, part of the culture and, and you know continuing to, to breathe life into it. And uh, we're not ambassadors by any means, but we do 
you cherish our background and our heritage and, and as part of everything you know we, we we do love what we do three three out of seven of us are professional musicians and right. and uh, uh, I'm no singer by any means but the, the songs are very much part of the the, you know, the, the tradition uh, you know bearers and um, my wife Shannon she's from Philadelphia and uh, she sings an Irish a song in Irish or two on each album that we right. do and she learns it perfectly you know and um, you know her, her her singing has been aired on Radio Nobelte in Ireland and, and people listen to her and think she's a native speaker so yes. it's just great to hear that interest and that love uh, from somebody who's not, not native you know so. I know it took immigration for me to appreciate that language is more a definition of our cultures than anything else absolutely it is and you know I'm a believer that that, that you know the culture and this separation thing that goes on is, is sort of a little bit over the top mm. like you know if there wasn't the, the technology and the advancement in, in transportation and communication we wouldn't know of all these other cultures and we wouldn't be have to be proud of our own we would just be our own people and all that um, but with oppression for years and all these things and all this history you kind of you want to have this identity and for me coming here so this year there's people like my wife who, who will sing in Irish and people who speak in Irish and like yourself and, and those who are native those who are not but then you've got guys from Japan playing Irish music you've got those it is amazing that the culture has spread worldwide you know generally in the mid 1800s and you know it's amazing that it's, it's maintained this interest and this level of, of you know and again like when you people. mentioned the Japanese of course the chieftains were great ambassadors that brought music to Asia and uh, also in many ways as a result brought traditional music back to Ireland oh absolutely a successful um, entertainment act is is key you know the chieftains uh, just before the chieftains success in that commercial success you had the Planksy era and, uh, and then obviously with the Clancy's over here in America yeah. just bringing that sort of song tradition but the chieftains instrumentally um, but then since then the likes of Riverdance has yeah, come along you, and you, you were involved I did yeah I played with Riverdance for many years and, and I first came over to the States in 1999 to play with that in New York um, and that was my I was 21 it was my first sort of notion of a big a big production and a big show but I, I've since learned you know, that word that catchphrase means so much to people it doesn't matter whether they've seen it or not they know about it and they know what it means and not everybody in Ireland is so proud of Riverdance as an entity but the fact that it was such a commercial success worldwide three shows concurrently running and you know massive production and such quality and accessibility for people the music and the culture just brought to life in a different way and I think it's amazing when people are that creative you know they can and you know here we are at a festival and I always also would have to say immigration teaches you the value of some of the Irish festivals and things that the Irish don't appreciate or take for granted no and I'm thinking like the Rose Tralee right you know at home there's this perspective but the Rose Tralee who'd go near that but for the immigrant and for the diaspora mm -hmm. it's tremendous hook and and Bond. Yeah, that connection is is amazing. And watching the Irish festival, I was actually talking to somebody yesterday about uh, Jake, our fiddle player. He's from New York. You know, he's he's an incredible Irish fiddle player. But he he grew up in New York City, went to the sessions, and just picked up the music there. Became top top fiddler. He's won the All Ireland Fiddle Competition under 18, which is no mean feat especially as a foreigner you know yeah. and um, but chat with him about the difference between the big festivals here you've got the Irish festivals you know where if you play anything other than the sort of expected Irish music you kind of got that little bit of a frown folk festival which is kind of a free for all yeah. if you have more than one or two Irish acts at that festival people kind of like, uh, a bit Irish out of it you know yeah. and then you've got these sort of Celtic festivals that kind of encompass everything that a lot of us are interested in and this festival is particularly well renowned for 
an incredible uh, array of uh, spread of musicians. You've got like an amazing, you know, a cappella group. You've got guys from Japan. You've got, you know, and they, they really do push the boat out getting church ladies here this year. You know, that's a big investment for them. But it's it's got a huge draw. I mean, the place is packed. They're, they're going to rock it tonight. And yeah, I, know. I we're think the, we're looking at where the main stage is, and it's we're in I don't know probably close to 30 degrees heat at the moment indeed yeah and the concerts aren't due to start until late tonight when mm -hmm. it cools down but there's not a space for a seat not a space for a seat and you even have people sitting in the sun making sure that their seats aren't <laughs> taken it's quite a bizarre <laughs> sight but it's so encouraging you know as I said we've been here many many times um, never been rained out but definitely had a few dodgy nights of, of, of rain and thunder and all that and I think our set tomorrow might have that but it doesn't matter it's all about just the weekend and the fun and uh, the camaraderie and you know for me being here is just, it's one of the Best, you know. Let's talk about the next generation. You got a stable. <laughs> he did. It was hilarious. So Cheryl Prashkar, as I said, she's the organizer of the festival, and she had a notion that um, certain certain people here, fathers, uh, might have access to their sons. So uh, Benoit Bourque and Antoine are here anyway, as a father and son combo. They play together all the time. And Emery Lester, who plays mandolin, amazing mandolin player, he was here last time we were here. He's here this year, and she invited him to to bring along a few of his sons to play. Right. And uh, when she had that notion, she said, "This." and some workshop could really be just lifted by Fnan and his son Liam who, Liam who never performed before in his life and uh, so she set us the task of doing something whatever right. it be. she thought he'd just be hitting the bar on or whatever right. but he's actually he, he idolises her he sit down and jam with her and all that but, but you know he's just turned four he has no real set musical ability he's just yeah. banging on things and singing away and just loving being part of things but he was quite nervous and so when we when we said about um, we talked to Sherilyn and said you know it's, it's going to be more the cutesy thing than the than the great professional thing that everyone else is presenting and uh, she was just delighted that he'd be up there on stage no, so we wore matching shirts yeah and you have to tell us what he did well because, he was because again you know we're not talking about it wasn't uh, anything like uh, Twinkle Twinkle no it wasn't we actually for some reason we chose some difficult numbers but they were numbers that he's been around so we used to sing a song in the band um, uh, called Finola which is a mouth music song and um, the chorus of it he would be familiar with hearing but he's never sung it before and he really kind of took to the challenge of, of, of joining in on that and then uh, there was a song in French La Zigazon which was written by some guys in the, in the band La Bottine Sourion and, um, and Antoine is uh, Benoit has been a member of that band for 11 years so we thought how appropriate to get them maybe to sing along with us and Liam was very excited to offer them the opportunity of joining him yeah. singing the song and he turned into a comedian you know he had this whole line ready to uh, Cheryl to this one is for you Cheryl and we had two songs back to back and he decided out of the blue to say in the first song Cheryl this song is almost for you and then when the song was being, being presented he said Cheryl this one is for you so you know proud dad moment you know I, I, I would do anything but encourage him to be a performer I mean it's, it's not an easy life it's, and um, it's thankless and it's, it, but we, we enjoy it so much both Shannon and I are touring all the time and he's come with us when we've we travelled and so it's been um, he's just grown up with that but Covid obviously got in the way of those kind of years of two, three and four where he would see it all and then maybe go to school and then we maybe do a few weekends during the summer so he's kind of still not in school and he's still going well this is my life I just yeah. turn up a festival 
shoes and you know like gigs and they learn a bit on the road and you know but he's he's never really sat down and just sat in front of the, the you know every kid is different yes and so um, it's interesting watching him today but it was a real joy to have him up there and, and sit there and watch the whole show which he normally doesn't do he was just fascinated and when you mentioned COVID like given that both of you are professional musicians and it was a particularly hard time for the gig economy you know it's one thing if one person is in some kind of a regular job and has an income but that you've gone through close on two years if not two years where there were no guarantees yeah, yeah. and then at the same time you have this little guy um, in one way he benefited from you guys being around but in another way it must have been very stressful Stress for sure. I have a I have a, a half other half life. I do I do a lot of music production and studio engineering and mixing. So I was very steady with that. I upped I upped my game there, and obviously we didn't tour at all. And we actually didn't have an online presence. Myself and Shannon made a decision to not flood the airways. We had another means of income, and we felt other people would benefit from having because we we thought it's a hard hard thing to do week yeah. after week. You know, put another concert up and yeah. ask people for money all that. So we steer clear of that. We scraped by with. I mean, we were fine actually with, with a lot of studio work for me and uh, and as you said the blessing of the whole thing was two years we never would have got with him watching him grow between yeah. the ages of almost two to almost four yeah. and uh, we started touring again for the first time last summer some of the festivals we were very cautious and you know um, we, we sort of st- stuck to ourselves so he really this experience here at Godrich has been the first experience for him around other children yeah. uh, in his whole life really because he doesn't remember anything before two and here we are he's around you know dozens of kids and dancing and playing whistle and the culture just everywhere so for me this has been amazing and I thought you know, when I met him earlier on and I said I had grandchildren he says well where are they right he just <laughs> expects everybody to be everywhere and doing the same thing that he wants to do you know kids so why, why aren't they here playing with me exactly yeah, yeah. so have you been back to Ireland and heard your plans to go we go back regularly obviously COVID got in the way of that we go back for four or five times a year and uh, I had a lot of work there um, brewing you know and so last May once vaccinations were all good and all that stuff and there was entry into the country allowed I got back a few times and then Liam finally got back in June just past so a few months ago got to see grandparents and all that stuff cousins and so you know that link that family link we have the FaceTime thing every day and it's nice but it's not the same so um, yeah still there still still, still going strong but it's you know it's it's becoming a different country you know it's it's very tough there I mean it's super super expensive yes and uh, watching people struggle through COVID and now struggle with the reality of well what you knew before is not the same so uh, rethink everything it's what my all my I mean, a lot of my friends are the top, top players in, in, in the industry, and um, and they're they're just thinking, well, for the next 20 years before I retire, what am I going to do? You know, and it mightn't be music, and that's and, very and, sad and, to hear that. You know, unlike someone who gets a white collar job and the salary keeps coming, there are a few professions, and music is one of them, where there are people who make it to the pinnacle, and the man in the street looks on them and says, yeah, that's what a lot the life a lot of guys have whereas it's only a very few make that and there's a struggle for a huge number yeah everything below that is a struggle because yeah. of the in- inconsistency like if you're in control we you know Rune is our, our, our myself and Shannon you know we started the band you know we have amazing musicians join us as we go and it's been great and we're in charge of that so we you know the venues and the festivals want us that's great but and so we can control it to a certain extent but if you are part of other things or if you're just trying to make your way and, and they're not opening their doors or they're not cooperating or whatever it is you, you don't have you can't just do it you know you have to have these the opportunity needs to be there so it's, it's a difficult game to play and uh, yeah so we're 
I was reading last night in Robert Houston's magazine, his Irish, the Irish Entertainment magazine, how it's uh, for an Irish musician now to, or for a non-American to get into the U.S. has become very, very expensive. Yeah, it's, well, it's always been troublesome, you know, since I started, um, and it was a few years before 9-11, um, there was a process, you know, and the Americans are always fairly, fairly rule-worthy, you know, it's, it's like lots of hoops, etc. Then 9-11 came along and it was, it was, it was um, logistically tough, like it was administrative nightmare, but it wasn't uh, because they started charging thousands and thousands of dollars. But then something kind of changed in the last few years with taxation and, and cost of visas and the amount of time for processing visas and then COVID. Yeah. So I think now, yeah, people are facing a, a, a sort of like a, um, they have a, an, a financial outlay is huge. Before you even think about arranging the dates, you have to say, I'd like to get the visa, I'd like to go over. And there's no guarantee you'll get even the gigs. So, you know, there's a cash 22 going on with, with a lot of the bands and the festivals who want the best acts coming from Ireland, but they can't afford to book them without the financial backing here of the sponsors and all that, and the government funding. So you, it's a real kind of cycle of nonsense. So that, and I don't mean it in a, a way that would sound in any way um, that you're benefiting from someone else's troubles, but does that give you opportunity, greater opportunity? Yeah, I mean, we've, we've been very successful in our, in our own little sphere um, for a while, but last year was a good example of it. None of the Irish acts could get out of Ireland. Yeah. And so um, we were already booked for a lot of festivals, but several of them, several of the other ones, got in touch and asked us. Uh, I know we, we, you weren't on the books, but could you come because we we went to three can't make it or whatever the yeah. And uh, we were able to oblige many, and then some we just double booked. We already had festivals, so yeah. they were really scrambling, and um, it benefited us. And again, this year some are, are finding it financially difficult to make it over. So yes. we've we've been busy this year so far, and yeah. you know it's it's never good to benefit from somebody else's misery, and no. um, and we 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 don't. To take it lightly, yeah. uh, we're very fortunate to be this side because this is where it's the pinnacle of touring for festivals and, and theatres in the North American area because you just have such interest. Everything's bigger and better over here, you know. Um, Europe is great, but it's very, very tough. There's huge comp- competition, you know. Whereas here, you get a certain amount of bands who come over for the March, April period. You get all the acts coming over, vying for a slot at the festival, and you know. But it's 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 friendly, you know. It's it's all good. But if you're in Europe, I mean, it's really tough. So I, I can only imagine what it feels like to say, well, if we take the the States and Canada out of the equation, what have we got left? You know, or where do we start? And for many of the acts, it's a viable option, except for the fact that they haven't done it before. So they're starting from scratch. They've built up 10 years worth of touring over here. So the, you know, they normally fill a theatre or run a theatres, and then they'll do a summer of festivals where they're invited to be the headline act. And whereas now they're they're scraping together two or three hundred seater venues in in Belgium or Germany or France, and okay. that's a tough one because you're sort of back to the bottom rung, and then bottom bottom rung financially as well, you know. But you don't have the ten thousand dollar overlay of getting, you know, before you even leave Ireland here before lights before you know so yeah. it's a it kind of trade-off and people are being smart about it now because well it's either be smart or go under you know so yeah so we're going to wrap up and i want to tell you to tell me what we're going to play off the, off the CD? Yeah. Well, uh, we have this new album and it's been brewing. And here's another thing, you know, the, the COVID thing has been getting in the way of a lot of things. Getting together with the band and recording a new album, which we've been threatening for a few years, has been difficult. Um, between members getting COVID, us isolating so we wouldn't, we wouldn't get COVID, and we've done a lot of stuff virtually. So we have produced a, an EP that we're selling at the festival here, which is six tracks, which are finished, which will be on the, al- on the new album. 
and one of our favourites is, is Les Gazon, the one we performed today, myself and Liam, and uh, we've done a kind of a funky version of it, so I'd love, I'd love your listeners to hear that, so Les Gazon. Thanks for the video, No worries.